What's up, security gang? Welcome to another episode of the CISO Talk podcast. I've got a special one. I'm recording this today with, when I think of International Women's Day, I think of uh, obviously my wife, my mom, my sister, my daughter, who are amazing. But when we talk about the cybersecurity industry, there's a few names of some of our leaders that really stand out. And our guest on today's podcast is one of those. The awesome, the magnificent, the amazing Olivia Rose will be joining us here in just a moment. If you guys don't know who Olivia is, my God, where have you been living under? What rock have you been hiding? The pharmacist over at MailChimp and Amplitude, she's now started her own endeavor as a visa. So we'll be talking about that journey from being a, a W-2 to a 1099 and what does it mean? What's more difficult? Is the grass greener on the other side? So for all of us practitioners, this will be a lesson in that. So without further ado, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tune in. Here we go. Sisa talk time, y'all. I've made a mistake. There From the Cyber Hub Bunker in studio, you're listening to the CISO Talk Podcast. No sales, no bullshit, just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Hello, hello, Olivia. <laughs> hello, hello. I love the host and CISO. <laughs> well, it's important, right? Because most, 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 a lot of our podcasts aren't really done by us practitioners. They're by most of yeah. the people who potentially either want to sell to us or provide us some sort of service or product. And this is the one for us. I call yeah. this the, 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 the CISO talk podcast because it's really about us. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. so happy to have you back on the show. Happy to be here. Happy International Women's Day. Um, it's so great to be recording with you on this day, especially with a lot of the stuff you put out there um, around, you know, diversity and women in cyber and so forth. It's so important to understand that the need for uh, different backgrounds and different uh, people in the room in order to really practice security effectively. And you've been a yeah. champion of that. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I just do not understand why all men mammals still continue to exist <laughs> like when you look at it it's all four white men i mean does nobody look around and go we all look alike so we're all gonna say the same stuff so i'm, I'm gonna just for a second play devil's advocate because okay. you know i've been on a lot of panels you and i've attended a lot of similar yeah. events we've we've sat at dinners um some some organizations as you and I know, don't let their CISO speak at all. Yeah. Right. They don't want them speaking at any panel. They don't want them speaking at any event. They don't want them speaking. Like they've got a clause that says you cannot publicly speak anywhere yeah. unless you get our permission. Yeah. There's that challenge. Number one. Number two, a lot of people who don't, who come from a diverse background sometimes, uh, and, and imposter syndrome is real. I think you, me and Naomi a few years ago did a, did a show just on that. The fact that imposter syndrome is very real. And some people feel like if they're on stage with someone who's got an MBA, right, and was a CIO and a CISO and, and whatnot, they feel imposter syndrome coming on stage. And so they decline to, to even be part of the conversations. I've had that happen when I've tried to organize panels where I've reached out to some great people that are really, really smart with diverse backgrounds. And, and I just I, sometimes you just can't get them to speak. Are you That's saying it. that women have imposter syndrome more than men? Because your argument no, is not I'm, making I'm saying sense. that 
What I'm saying is, though, that imposter syndrome, because of the lack of diversity sometimes in the field, when you look different and you come from a different background, imposter syndrome is even higher on a panel with potentially bigger names. I don't know. See, I don't really agree. Coming from the and perspective. That's okay. Yeah. And, that, and that's okay. Um, coming from the perspective of, you know, actually doing it and knowing a ton of really sharp, smart women then who are leaders and CISOs, right. very rarely would there be imposter syndrome because we look different. Well, I'm not saying imposter syndrome is the only reason. Yeah, okay. Right? I'm not saying that's the only reason there's a lack of diversity on panels. The reason, honestly, and I'll tell you point blank, the reason, honestly, is because people who put on these panels are lazy and they don't feel like putting in the extra effort because there is extra effort to find people who aren't the majority. To find, Agreed. I could throw, I mean, you know, if I was putting together a panel, I could throw a rock and come up with five white men who are CISOs. But to find five women or even just one or two who are CISOs or leaders, you got to dig a little bit and so, they're, so, they're just too lazy. So when, when I used to do events and help put on events here in Atlanta, we used to make it a point that there could be no women moderators of our panel for the sake of diversity. If there aren't two women on the panel, there isn't a panel. Yeah, I love how panels will sometimes have one woman moderating four men. Uh, thank you, but uh, that, that's <laughs> here's a list of questions to ask four women. Four, four, four women. Men. We have diversity. <laughs> this is what we've I got a, we've got a woman interviewing. <laughs> Hooray for us! <laughs> but what I don't understand is this: men. I am honestly, I, I, I honestly love white men. It's not like I have anything, a vendetta against white men. I really don't. I love white men. How, and many of them are allies. However, what gets really annoying is when there are four white men on a panel, which happens every single day almost. Why doesn't one of them say, you know what? I'm going to step down and you can replace me with someone diverse or, so, or say something. It's like they don't even see and say anything. That's, so what's, I, it, that's what's aggravating. Um, Chris Rock over the weekend put his special on Netflix and he diagnosed the number one illness in America today. It's attention. In fact, he had a 15 minute skit or 20 minute skit in his hour and 20 minutes around the disease in America today went from love to attention. Hmm. We used to seek love pre-internet, pre-social yeah. media. Yeah. Now we seek attention. Yeah. Give me a like, give me a love, give me a support. Tell me you're a friend. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's why people don't step back because of that, because they love the attention. They want to be on stage. It's, they want to be heard. Even if they have nothing to add to the conversation. How many <laughs> panels have I been to where everyone agrees? There's one question and they all go, well, I agree with what <laughs> the first person said. Right. Because there's no different, there's no different school of thought. And I don't go to those events anymore. If I go to a panel and everyone says, I agree. If the, after the first question, everyone agrees on everything. I just know I get up and I go and I'm just like, all right, I'm done. I'm not, there's nothing of value to be heard here. Cause you're all going to agree. Yeah. One thing I love about having you on and, and when we get to do these is you and I don't have to see eye to eye to one, like each yeah. other. Number two, have discourse. Number yeah. three, still like each other after we have the discourse. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's so critical 
it's so critical to have not only different people on the panel, but different points of view, people who disagree with the premise of the idea. For years, I hated Zero Trust. For years, it's documented on my show. <laughs> documented on my show. Uh, I can't run away from it. I hated Zero Trust. I thought Zero Trust was a bad name uh -huh. and a horrible concept. I then took some time and studied it. And I turned around. I understand it. Now, I still think John should have hired a marketing person to rename Zero Trust something else. Yes. Yes. But as a policy, as a direction, as a philosophy for those practitioners, it's a decent philosophy. It's execution. Much more difficult than stated. There's no one solution to get you to Zero Trust. But for years, I disliked it. I'm willing to admit that. I've evolved. Wow. I never thought those words would come out of your mouth, James. I've you know, evolved. I've evolved. <laughs> because I think that's that's the sign of maturity. That's the sign exactly. of leadership. We I all have to you. change. Should, you yeah. should have seen you should have seen me 10 years ago. I was a bull in a china shop. And you know, we all evolve <laughs> real I still am, but you know, we What do you mean by that? What do you mean you were a bull in a china shop? Um, uh, probably more than 10 years ago. I was one of those very annoying people who are terrible to manage because I always wanted to be a leader. I always, I wanted to lead the show. I wanted to be the one in charge. I wanted to be, I knew the answers. I wanted to come up with a strategy and stuff. And you know, I don't do, I do not do well with hierarchy. Don't play, uh, don't play titles on me ever. It, it, it just does not work. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I'm not hang out with the janitor, I'll be honest. Can I ask you this? Can you practice security effectively with titles? Oh, no, it's in everyone's game. I mean, that's the thing about it is I don't like the CISO title. It's, yeah, but you've got to have titles to be in a corporation, right? The question is, as a leader, do I have to enforce the titles? Or are titles just advanced pay grades? Yeah, they're right? advanced pay grades. They're resume builders. That's it. I will tell you that uh, in, in my last role as a CISO, whenever we went into a room to solve a problem, and, and I mean a room, a Zoom, a Teams meeting in person, wherever it was, I had a mantra, kind of like a, a Ted Lasso has a belief. Yeah. And it said, no titles, no egos. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We're here to solve a problem. Yeah. If a tier one, if a level one analyst solves the problem, hooray yeah. for them. Yeah. Uh, they everyone gets to be heard. Everyone gets to be heard. No, if you pull rank, you're out of the meeting. Yeah, I like that. I like that, that a lot. That's it been doesn't my matter, philosophy. You know, I, I don't know that every. I don't know that everyone knows everything. No, I just said this morning on a webcast actually that when somebody, oh, <laughs> one of my pet peeves. You know, you've been in security for a very long time when people call themselves. I am expert or security <laughs> expert or database security expert or AWS expert. I, every time I see that on LinkedIn, I'm just like, don't even reach out. Don't even reach out to me. I will not connect with you. I cannot stand it. <laughs> what, you've been in the industry for five years and you're a AWS security expert. Plus, well, that, you know, that is arrogant in itself. But then also, you know, I've been in security for 21 years. I know stuff pretty well. 
But every day something blindsides me. Like, what is that? Where did that come from? Or that's a really interesting idea. Wow, that's interesting. I need to add that to the brain. So for me to go around and say I'm an expert, even though I've been around for 21 years, is so arrogant. The, the expert title has been misused. I, I, I have several rules around connecting in LinkedIn. And if anyone says uh, expert ninja, anything <laughs> of this nature, ninja. we're probably not going to. You're, you're probably going to get the follow button and not the connect button on my profile. I've been advocating for, uh, for um, LinkedIn to allow us to kind of filter who gets the connect button and who gets the follow button. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, like, let me just put keywords and then have follow show up and then let me have <laughs> keywords and have connect show up and let me have keywords and let it be, how come we're not BFFs yet? Button, right. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, you think you get weird stuff on LinkedIn? You should ask a woman in security oh, so, <laughs> what stuff we get. Holy so Lord. Naomi Buckwalter and I, um, during the early days of the pandemic, if you remember, we had you on one of the CISO Thursday segments with yes. Christoph and Renee. Yes. Um, so her and I did a bunch of shows, and one of which was we went through her LinkedIn inbox together. <laughs> and we went through some of the messages she got and <laughs> there was a part of me that day uh, uh. that wanted to OSINT all of these individuals <laughs> and take a screenshot of what they had sent Naomi oh. and mail it to their mm -hmm. friends and family and spouses yep. and girlfriends yep. and be like, this is the person you think so highly of in your life. Oh yeah. This is what they do on mm -hmm. a professional social networking yeah. network. Yeah. I, I, now, I have to say most are very, you know, professional. They're fine. I mean, I got one the other day that I first saw it in my Gmail because it sends it to me, right? The notification. And the subject line was you. That's it. Why you? And I'm like, oh my God, somebody's stalking me. <laughs> You're like, who is this? So I checked out on LinkedIn and I was like, who is this person? Because I'm like, are they stalking me? And there it says, and it's some sales rep who put the you in there, not thinking about it, but then put, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the question or whatever statement. And I reached out to a woman who's on the board of directors for that company. And I said, y'all, you need to pass this along to whomever leads sales, because that is freaky for a woman to see the word you. Alone in a subject line. Alone you know, in a subject line. There's very little to, to, the, to the fact that um, you get that. My wife gets some really weird messages on LinkedIn. Um, she, she's shown me some of the stuff she's gone over the year, over months and years and i'm just you know yeah i just look at her and i shake my head and i go we're not all like that no I promise and that's the um, thing you, you all aren't like that i mean it's this you know it's, it's just it's just very uncomfortable it's like well why can't women be on linkedin as well well they are and they should be yeah. and they'll continue to be and i don't think there's very little anyone could do to change that 
it's it's those voices that that create that uncomfortable environment that I don't want to say need to be kicked off the platform because I don't believe in censorship, but yeah. at the same time should be educated in terms of what's proper behavior um, when speaking to the opposite sex is um, kind of important. Yeah. You know, Olivia, you and I have been chatting for so long already, and I wanted to ask you this. So you've served as a CISO for some uh, some really big companies. You've kind of taken a step back. You've walked mm-hmm. away from it. You've started your own business as a virtual CISO. So yeah. instead of one boss, you have a hundred now. Um, <laughs> one, what made you make the jump? And 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 two, is grass greener on the other side? Well, it's interesting because I never, I, I, I'm a big believer in when a door closes, another one opens. Right. And I left my last role as CISO in August. I was so burnt out. I didn't even recognize myself and I was acting certain ways. I wasn't going to the gym. I was drinking too much and I was very irritable and all the signs of burnout. And just, I was of no use use to anyone, especially my team. I mean, I was, and I recognized that. So I left, I took about a month off, got back into the gym, did all the, you know, the things to recover. Then I was interviewing for CISO roles and I interviewed for a lot Um, because one of the benefits of being diverse in a male-dominated industry is that you get called to a lot of interviews because they got to meet their quota. However, you also get uh, called into a lot of BS interviews where you know (laughs) that they're not going to give you the job and that you are just a quota number number. So it can, you know, it can bite both ways. But anyway, I had a lot of interviews and I made it to the end several times. And the market late last year was pretty rough. So it wasn't just for me, but pretty rough in general. So yeah, it was pretty rough. And then, um, you know, I just kept missing out. It was weird. And so I got really frustrated and just like, and then I started thinking, I don't even know if I want to be a CISO anymore. You know, and I was kind of, this was in November and I said, you know, I don't think I want to be. And, um, and then I realized, no, I don't. I, I, I'm assuming that I should be because it's what I was. And I'm assuming that it's expected of me. And there is a lot of pressure on... I just speak for women, but I think this is all diversity. Uh, women who are leaders, because we, it's very hard, honestly, to be seen as this role model because you, there's a lot of pressure on you and it's exhausting. And you're expected to speak and represent and meet with all this, the young women and diverse talent. And it's exhausting. I, I mean, white men don't necessarily have that level of, requirements or expectations put on them to nurture and raise up the next generation. Now, there are men who are great allies of diversity and do that quite a big deal, quite a a great deal. But the difference is, is that, boom, you're a woman, different, you are expected to do this. And I get called into everything and I get pulled in all directions, just like all women senior leaders do. So... I started to look at, 
you know, I really, even with that expectation on me that I should stay to be a CISO, I just, because it's, it's expected of me to raise others up behind me, um, I kind of went, you know, I, it's time for me to be selfish and do what I'm good at. And I have 17 years experience uh, in consulting, in advisory CISO work before I became a CISO. And I need to go back to what I'm good at and do my own thing. Uh, so middle of November, started my own, uh, hung my own shingle, as they call it. <laughs> and um, and then it, you know, kind of moseyed around over December. And then early January, it just, boom, it just exploded. Um, and I'm very fortunate. It's exhausting, but it's I'm very fortunate and lucky. But it's been a great ride. You know, so... One of the bigger challenges you talked about it right there is 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 burnout, right? And and mm. the expected leadership. Um, it's 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 very true that in in most situations, um, mentorship is a nice to have for most people, but it's almost a must have. And if you don't, you're not doing it. You're not really yeah. supporting the next generation. There's almost yeah. an unfair expectation there, like. Yeah women don't do enough, but you've also got to be a mentor. You've also got to advocate. You've also got to go here. You've also got to do this. Yeah. You've also got to do that. And um, that creates, I think, a, a, a toll. Yes. Of, and, and, and a level of expectations that, that's not put on everyone else. Like, I don't have yeah. that level of expectation yeah. in my role as this. So no one comes to me and goes, James, you should probably do some more mentorship. When I do yeah. it, people are like, oh, great, wonderful. You're, you're mentoring people. But no one comes and says you have to do it. I think with with women in leadership positions, irregardless of whether they're a CISO or a CEO, that's yeah. almost like part of the job description at this yeah. point. It's expected. It's I don't remember the name for it, but uh, there's been articles about how even if you're 50-50 uh, at home doing you know just uh, splitting the chores, for example, women still do more. Uh, and that's research backed. And women at work are expected to volunteer to throw the parties. My or wife does out the groups. My wife and, does a whole lot more than me. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, well, you know, and and it, of course I'm general. I'm generalizing here. Right? No, no, that's but, fine. I, but I mean, at work, women are expected to be on the party committee, you know, or to <laughs> start up this. Or and I'm like, what? <sighs> You know, it was a few months ago and I actually wrote, I actually wrote a LinkedIn post and I've written some explosive ones, but I always like toe the line. This one jumped the line and I never posted it, but I, I really was just irritated that women and listen, black senior leaders, men or women or diverse leaders or any other race, why are we so on deck? all the time to make change because there are some people I'm on the board of cybersecurity, which is supporting women right. and underrepresented minorities in cybersecurity. There are some people on the board who every single day are doing these big things, meetings, trainings to rise up, to raise up, you know, the younger generation. And I'm like, what the hell are, why do we have to work so much more? And if you don't do it, which some women don't, and that's okay. I think it's okay. I think it's fine. You can choose what you want to do. But as a society, 
whether you want to hear this or not, and whether you want to accept what I'm saying or not, it's true. If you don't step up and provide that level of support to the younger generation, it's looked down on because you're supposed to. And so, so I mean, I went off on this rant. I'm like, this is why we're so exhausted. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm going to agree with you on, on, on something and, and I'm going to push back on, on another one. All right. So I'm going to agree with you to the fact uh, that everyone needs to do their part in mentorship and bringing back the next, bringing up the next generation. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't build a succession plan from the first day they step into their role or into their company or into their job or into building their own business. If you don't build a succession plan, you're not building a legacy. You're building a income stream that you work for and in, and therefore you can never scale. Right. But and again, Steve's now, if that's what um, you want. If that's what you want. Yeah. I mean, that's a choice. But, but I feel like in, in most cases, human biology and human behavior is you want to do more, right? Everyone, that's why burnout happens. Burnout happens yeah. at every level. I mean, we see sales talk about it a lot, but burnout happens at almost every level. I mean, <laughs> we can look at our teams and go, anyone in security has burnout and burnout is real. Sure. But IT also has burnout, infrastructure, yeah. DevOps. Yeah, You know, they all have burnout. Burnout is real because it's, it's part of the stress of life and part of the stress of the job. And we work and we live and the two don't always mesh because right. our personal lives don't always mesh with our professional lives. Mm -hmm. And there are things that happen along the way that could impact us personally, that could impact our performance or our ability to focus professionally. Yeah. Now where, where I would, push back on a little bit is, is the concept of um, that this is only on women or diverse leaders. This is on everyone. The, the challenge there is that HR um, and the people who are really trying to build these mentorship programs typically end up going to the people almost, you said it early on in, in, in on the show. Yeah. You know how those panel uh, people always go to the people who always say yes. Yeah. HR people go to the mentorship people, the people they know are going to say yes. They're yeah. not going to go to the other person who they may have to work a little bit harder to convince them to be a mentor and take on some people. They're not going to do that. They're going to go to the yes folks all the time. HR yeah. people do it consistently. They don't invest time in making sure that the responsibility of any leader at any level, whether C-suite, VP, director, or manager level, has a responsibility in mentoring and building a succession plan. That's the number one reason why we still have gaps mm. and why you're working 10 times harder than other people at building the next group of folks, next group well, of leaders. I think we're saying the same thing. We are almost. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, uh, but I think that it, in, on top of that, there's also an individual accountability and responsibility in my mind. I mean, if you don't want to, that's a luxury that the majority in any industry gets to have. If you don't want to put in extra work and have to represent and be around for questions and mentoring sessions, that's your choice. But you're not looked down on by, it's not, a, you're not looked down on a societal basis. Right. And women, and I'm only speaking for women, but I know it's all diversity, uh, women, are, are constantly looked down on. I mean, I, I have honestly every, every single day, at least five emails from people, at least. I'm so behind on LinkedIn because of this. At least five emails from people saying, 
you know, hey, can you help me? Can we talk? Or I want to introduce you to somebody who's this young person, blah, blah, blah. And anytime I say no, which I really try to do because I, I have to make money somehow, right, for my own survival. Um, I have to have a job to do. Um, and every time I say no, it's this weird, you know, screw you kind of response. I've, like, I've, I've, well, why I've, don't you go to, you know, the, the five white men, you know, well, so next to me? Let me give you an example of this in, in my life to kind of balance balance this as a vet. I'm often called upon mm. by people who are getting ready to get discharged that need some Very guidance cool. that want some mentorship and from their transition from military to civilian life yeah. and very admirable. Uh, I try to say yes, but I can't always say yes. You can. And in the last, you know, year and a half of my life, my wife was pregnant. We had a baby. I was in a startup that you and I've shared, you know, yeah. stories about. Um, and, and I didn't have time. I was traveling every single week and, mm. When I was home, I didn't, I blocked out my calendar because guess what? I was away Monday yeah. through Thursday. And when I came home, all I wanted to do was spend time with my young son and wife. Yeah. And my wife was alone with a baby for four days trying to work and raise a kid. And that's not an easy, that's not an easy feature at yeah. all. And I'm, you know, in Texas playing CISO at a startup, right? Right. And, and that's very, very difficult. And I've said no. And I've had people tell me like, what do you mean you can't? Yeah. Like, go screw yourself and i was like well sorry you feel that way that's not a good way to that's not a good way to approach a mentor or someone who you wanted to walk you through it but yeah. i've got a limited amount of time i can't half-ass anything i do in my life i can't yeah. it's just not in my it's not in my dna to to half-ass anything so i'm sorry and and yeah. i can't do it and and i think to anyone listening who goes well i'm gonna reach out to olivia or james and see if i can get a mentor i'd say Consider the fact that it's very hard for us to balance our families, mm -hmm. our careers, our hobbies, our us time, our education time, which is very overlooked by many professionals. We don't know everything. We, we, we yeah. have to invest time um, in educating ourselves on new technologies, on new processes, on new regulatory frameworks, on new regulatory requirements, on new business uh, changes or, or give you a, li a long list of things um it's it's not easy and, yeah. and i don't think most people recognize it Olivia. well uh, right and doesn't it you know can i swear on here um you can i'll just mark the episode as explicit <laughs> you know i mean doesn't it piss you off i don't know yeah. if that's swearing but doesn't it piss you off I mean, that there's this big wedge of concrete that you're supposed to carry but, but there are people who don't do anything. <laughs> I, I've, I've come to a realization in my life that I can't expect everyone to do what I do. And I can't expect everyone right. to have the same values and morals that I do. That's what differentiates us as people. Yes. You and I have mm -hmm. more of a giving back value that, that seems to be more superior to our personality and our type of leadership and yeah. who we are as individuals. And, and some other people are, I'm going to go clock in at eight. I'm going to leave exactly at five. Yeah. I'm not going to do an ounce more than what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do my job description to the checklist. Yeah. I'm going to get satisfactory for performance. I'm not trying to exceed. I'm going to get my three and a half percent or 4% raise every single year. 
And that's my life. And you and I, if you told us that's our life, our personalities, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, there's nothing wrong with that with the people who choose that. Yeah. We're not, we're not not dissing you. We're not saying you're not good people. That's not our personality trait. We are very much into legacy building. And we want to see that young generation come up because we know that makes a better world for us. When I'm everyone and our own kids. Yeah, for our own kids, yeah. for our, our future, for humanity. Cybersecurity, you know, there's one thing I looked at the National Cybersecurity Strategy that the White House released last week, and it said cybersecurity is not just a function anymore. It it represents every aspect of our lives today mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And we've got to stop looking at it. I just did a podcast with Dmitry Sokolovsky, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, we're not into security, cybersecurity. We need to stop saying it. We're in the business risk space. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great way that's to put fair. it. Yeah. So it. one final question before I put you on the hot seat, because um, we're a bit over time, and but I don't care. This conversation is so good. I don't want it to end, but I need to be mindful of your time. So um, um, one final question. Mm-hmm. Would you ever go back to being a CISO now that you're a VC? So I always say never say never, because that would be stupid to say, because if the most beautiful company came along with the most beautiful salary, I would give it heavy thought, uh, but I'm, you know, that I'm not really in the mood for fighting my way anymore, <laughs> you know? So right now, no, wouldn't go back, but you know, never say never. I love the fact that you went out on your own. I think yeah. that's, um, that's more inspiring than being a CISO at a big company. Uh, the reason I say that is because my wife, who was an entrepreneur since 2008, that she started her own, she's been her own boss since 2008. Wow. Um, I, I see what she has to go through to do and win business, to make sure her clients are happy, to make sure that she's able to, to do that. And I, I think for my daughter, who's 17 going on 18, that's inspiring to see her stepmom do that. Aww. I think for other women around her, it's inspiring to see her, you know, go out and be on your own and don't let anyone take you down, Olivia. You will be a smashing success. Oh, thank I you. Know that for sure. Um, I'm going <laughs> to well, put you on the hot seat now that I've complimented you. Uh, <laughs> okay. Are you ready? You're All joining right. You're joining the hundreds of other CISOs that have had to answer these questions. Uh-oh. I've got a buzzword graveyard. Give me one buzzword you'd bury. Oh, well, I mean, the, there's the usual ones, right? Um, I can't stand the term woman CISO. Can't Uh-oh. stand it. That's that's a new one. So, so the last three episodes have all had brand new buzzwords. Um, I've been digging holes way more than I thought I would be on the show. Um, but women CISO, I agree. You're a CISO. Yeah, you're a CISO. Just like if you're a comedian, you're a comedian. If you're oh, like things like girl boss, you're a boss. Or a her boss. <laughs> or her boss. It's like oh my god. I can't stand it when when I'm introduced as a woman CISO. I'm like, well, they were introduced to CISOs. <laughs> Why can't I be a CISO? Why am I a woman CISO? So, so next time, next time you get that introduction, you should be like, the organization I work for isn't woman. Um, <laughs> but thank you. Um, yeah, that's not I've gotten the name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the last song you listen to? Oh, uh, an Israeli song, actually. Um, 
that the song Hallelujah came out for the Eurovision, I think in the 70s and won. By Leonard Cohen. That one. Uh, And they did a remix a few years ago in Israel um, where they kind of spruced up the beat a little bit. Mm -hmm. And Galiotari, who was on the original, Yep. Uh, she sings, and so does this younger, up and you know, up and coming pop star. Um, and it's really cool how they did it. But I like to yeah. listen to that in the morning, because um, it, it's 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 very re- rejuvenating. That the world, it's like listening to "It's a Beautiful World" every morning for me. Yeah, I, so I listen to a lot of Israeli music. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I've, my wife says. You may have been born and raised in America, but you're more Israeli than most Israelis. Because um, because I listen to like some really cool Mediterranean music. So I'll listen yeah. to artists like Itai Levi or Peritasi yeah. or Yal Golan. Uh, but then I'll also listen to like some uh, Hebrew rappers like Tuna and, and yes. Lebanon and, and others. And so, and, and that's how I start my mornings typically. Yeah. Um, and then when I bathe my son, we listen to the... Uh, there's a there's an Israeli band called uh, the Revivo Project, oh. um, and they do like these. They take old songs and 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 they do like a mashup of songs and whatnot, and so they sing in in Hebrew, in Arabic, in uh, Moroccan oh. Arabic, in French, and English. So they do these mashups, and my son, who's you know year and a half, just absolutely loves it. He's like, oh, this is so great <laughs> mashups, and uh, so so. Uh, I, I totally agree. There's some upbeat music and, and stuff there, there. There's some good stuff coming, like To Do Bomb. Yeah. You must Yeah, yeah. That. Static and Benel. Yeah, yeah. To Do Bomb. They broke right. up, though. They broke up. Oh, they did? Static and oh. Benel broke up last year. Benel's oh. now in, living in Los Angeles. So. Wow. And then yeah. there's the one, um, the Tel Aviv song, You're My Beauty. No, no. I'm Your Beauty. You're oh, My Beauty. Adam. Welcome to You're my beauty. beauty. I'm your beast. Welcome to Tel Aviv. Yeah, Habib. Tel Aviv. That they're singing. We don't every, every person in Israel that works in high tech knows the Tel Aviv song, Omer Adam. Omer oh. Adam is by far one of the biggest uh, music stars in Israel. I mean, well, yeah, I, I think it came out a while ago. But Six, seven years ago, yeah. Anthem for the Pride Week in Tel Aviv. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you're like, yeah. and Pride Week in Tel Aviv is huge. It's like a yeah. million people. Like people oh, really? fly into Tel Aviv from all over <laughs> Europe and, and the US and like all <laughs> over. Surprised. It's it's I'm it's un- they Aviv. shut down Tel Aviv. I'm going next month for Passover. Oh, nice! But I may go again in June because of the um, teammate Soso. Yeah, that's what I'm going to. Yeah, I may, I may go again in June for that. Yeah. So, so yeah, come to that. Yeah. If I go to Tel Aviv in June, I'm never going to go to any event. I'm just going to be at the beach surfing all day. <laughs> like that's the hardest part for me to go to Israel in the summer is I end up on. Like oh. I've done, I've done conference calls with my AirPods in, and I'm on a, I'm, I'm on a sap board, just standing <laughs> in the water, just you know, people are like, "Where are you?" And I'm like, "I'm on my sap board, doing what?" I'm like, "I'm just cruising around in the ocean." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> Seriously, and I was like, "Yep." I'm all, got my wetsuit on, and I've got my phone inside my wetsuit, and I've got my AirPods, and I've got a 
hat on and it's keeping my AirPods in. And yeah. That's pretty clever. Yeah. The, I take, yeah. You know, they, I've, I've had a few people cuss me out for that. They're like, is that water I hear under you? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm sitting on my sap board and just pedaling. On the Mediterranean? <laughs> on the Mediterranean and in, in beautiful <sighs> temperature water, like 70, 70. Yeah, I, I love Israel so much. All right, finally, what's the last book or what current book are you reading? Um, I'm fascinated by North Korea. I think okay. the whole Hermit Kingdom, you know, thought process and i mean i'm just fascinated by it so i read anything by that that's written by somebody who escapes it and there's a book called in order to live that was written by a girl uh, well she escaped when she was i think 13 or 14 went to china got sold into a sex ring i mean it's, it's just nuts and now she's in the states and she came out recently with another book but she's interesting because she She's the one who came out with that explosive comment recently. You may have seen it that said um, she actually finds, because she's in college, uh -huh. uh, she actually finds all the cancellation culture and how students are in some colleges, how they're thinking and they're all thinking alike and, can't, and they're very woke and so forth. She said that's actually more restrictive than what she experienced in North Korea, which seems like a far stretch to me, but... Um, I'm gonna yeah. take I'm gonna take someone's word who lived in North Korea and now is at a U.S. college campus than, yeah, someone on a yeah. college campus. Yes, what's it, I think it has some pieces of accuracy in there because I think nowadays you you can't come you can't say anything that's against the so uh, the I culture. Mean, th this kind of goes to a Yosef Haddad, who's a uh, Arab Israeli who served in the in the IDF. Mm. was the son of a Hamas leader. Whoa. Right. Um, who, who didn't believe in his dad's ways. Who's now a, on his own dime, goes around college campuses and speaks about, you know, kind of the, tries to, you know, disprove the apartheid in Israel. Apparently, yeah. you know, so there's apartheid in Israel. I didn't know it. I mean, I lived there for five years. <laughs> Went in front of an Arab judge. I'm Jewish. Just so happened, you know, so there's there's that and an apartheid that would never happen but um he goes to college campuses where people protest his even mere existence on campus oh, just like um, is it wasn't college campuses i can go back 30 40 50 60 years the place where these kind of conversations that was like the place to have these conversations right you don't need to agree you, you just, need to talk it out i remember when yeah. i was in college and this was many many years ago and there was a, a guy who was a Holocaust denier and he was he used to come onto the campus all the time and they let him because it was free speech. But Still is free never, speech. But I never report him, because, even though I think he's an idiot, because that's his opinion. And I remember one day I was talking with him and going back and forth and he has his opinion, which is has been proven to be inaccurate, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Um, that the Holocaust did happen and the concentration camps did, it did exist. Um, and you know what? We were never going to see eye to eye, but did I go running crying to the, to the media or it's, it's, you, so you didn't go ask for a safe space. Um, that's I for didn't sure. ask for a safe space. Like, Oh my God. You know, it's just like, okay, you, you learn from it. You think, okay, there's somebody who we're never going to agree with. I think his opinions are damaging, 
But hopefully people are intelligent enough to make up their own decisions and minds instead of me trying to say, no, he cannot be here ever because it's dangerous to people who listen to you know what he's saying. I, I have to completely agree with you. Um, you know, we, we live in a time where there's a lot of anti-Semitism and, and, and I want to be mindful of our time because we're almost done here. But um, I will say this. Um, I, I've experienced just recently anti-Semitism leaving my shoal right here in Georgia. Oh. Right. Yeah. Like, and you and I don't live far apart. Like we could have done this yeah. in person. Um, we, we are and, in white bread, Georgia. Let's put it that way. Well, we are in very uh, good school I mean, business. We're... we're we're in an area where you would think this wouldn't be happening because we, yeah. don't, live, we don't live in, in a, you know, out where they've never seen Jews, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. let's put it, let's put it like that. And, um, and, and someone said, well, we should call the cops. And I was like, their first amendment rights to do what they're doing. Yeah. Um, they're entitled to do it. I don't have to agree with them. I don't have to like it. Yeah. They're wrong. Yeah. They're wrong. But that's it's it. It's not nice. It's not nice, but then again, not everyone's going to be nice. Not everyone's going to see the same way I do. Not everyone's going to agree with me. And I'm okay with that because that's the beauty of this country. That's why this country is so different from so many other countries. It's you and I don't have to agree to still be neighbors, to still be friends, to still go out and have drinks, to still go out and eat dinner, to still celebrate holidays and still be a community. And and then we need to go back to that. Olivia Rose, the amazing, the magnificent folks. We're 15 minutes over what a typical episode goes. And we could have gone for another hour if we had the time. <laughs> you know, talking about Israeli music and cancel culture. <laughs> and and talking about starting your own business and diversity and leadership and talking. We covered a lot of different topics on today's episode. Um, and and uh, I'm just grateful that you took the time to be with us here today, Olivia, and sharing so much wisdom and, and really um, being able to challenge the status quo. I think keep doing what you're doing. Um, you're a positive voice for our industry. Oh, well, thank you. And you are as well. I mean, you definitely are out there as well. But I would just say, if I can make a request to those Please. who are listening, who are still hanging on, <laughs> you know, if you are in the majority and there, there's no diversity please step up and say something. You don't need to drop off the panel if you don't, you know, if, if, if it's important to you. Okay, that's fine. Um, but say something. There is, well, I'm going to call it out, Wallarm about a month ago appointed a 12 male uh, advisory council. Yep. And I went to their website. I'm like, it's 12 men. There's no black. There's no uh, Latino. It's all, it's all 12 men. And I'm like, how does nobody say something? Because if somebody said something, then Disrupt. they would try yeah. a little harder. Disrupting the status quo is harder than what some people think, but it's required and needed in order to bring about a level of equality. And the equality is leveling out the playing field so women have the same chance as men do for everything. Yeah. And they're not just part of the all right, I've got to interview Olivia Rose because we haven't interviewed any women for oh this job God. and we need to get a woman there. I remember talking to you back uh, several months ago, uh, pre-New Year, I think around October, November, when yeah. you are, uh, not last time I saw you, but but yeah. before that, and you were telling me this. And, and I was just so infuriated. I was, I mean, I was exhausted that day when I saw you, but yeah. I was ready to just like, I had to go outside and just take a breath of fresh air after our conversation because it just, it agitated me to know that this still happens. 
2023. And that HR, which is predominantly women in a lot of organizations, still does this and oh, allows it to happen. Really? They allow it to happen. And it's just like, just help us out. The thing is, people who aren't white men don't want your jobs. We just want, there's plenty of jobs for everyone. And I understand it's hard to be a white man nowadays because everyone's yelling at you about equal opportunity. And sometimes you feel like, yeah, there is an unfair advantage. But so we've gone too far in some ways. And I get that. So to be able to move the needle back to where it needs to be in the middle, we, we need equality here. So we don't go on either equality way. for opportunity, folks, not result, yeah. right? Equality of opportunity. If you're going to interview 10 people for a role, try to make it so that it's a diverse pool of people and not, you know, potentially eight majority. And this, by the way, goes across not just white men. When you look mm -hmm. at DevOps roles, you'll typically get, you know, eight people of, of Southeast Asian descent yeah. and, then, and then two of not, you know, two that are not there. I mean, the, the same goes across both of those. Um, it goes across all kinds of different kind of prejudice and pre-thoughts of the idea mm -hmm. of what, what the right person in that role should be. So, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, you, you, you hit it on the, you hit it on the head and I couldn't agree more with that statement right there is, you know, be a voice. Uh, I, I always say I'm going to hire the best person for the job and I don't care who they are. And so, yeah. but I'm going to interview everyone who I think has a remote opportunity to be able to bring me a school of thought to the business and so that's right i remember you saying that last time i saw you yeah so there's there's no ifs ands or buts about it all right y'all the awesome magnificent amazing always smart olivia rose thank <laughs> you for tuning in my goodness my ego <laughs> the talk podcast make sure to subscribe you can check out i'm gonna put olivia's linkedin in the show notes so anyone who wants to connect with her not for mentorship purposes and not for sales purposes <laughs> can do so uh if you're gonna if you send her a, a note with just you in the title, I am going to shame <laughs> you after this podcast. I just watch me get 20 of them. <laughs> <laughs> when you get it, is it, just send it over to me. I'm going to shame them. We're going to blast them on LinkedIn. No, um, I find it funny because now it's a joke. <laughs> now it is a joke, but still, someone shouldn't be doing it, right? Um, either way, thanks, Olivia. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, stay cyber safe, y'all. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.